0: Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Corchado, also known as the voice connecting women veterans nationwide. This podcast is for anyone connected with the military, from veterans, male and female military spouses, military brats, even parents who may have children who are in the military. As an Air Force veteran, I understand the trials and triumphs that women veterans go through in service and out of service. And so I wanted to find a way that I could put it out there into the airwaves and let everyone know what we're going through and find a way and a solution to what's happening to us in the service. I also like to highlight these women who are business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're bosses in their business. And so I hope that you will follow me, you will share, and you will subscribe to this podcast, which comes out every week on Tuesdays. And as always, please stay safe, take care of each other until next time, and it's never too late to start your impossible. Welcome Sisters in Service to our latest episode of the podcast. You know me, Kat Corchado, and my guest today is Christina Madison. And she's an Air Force veteran, and then she was a military spouse. She's a heart-centered leadership coach. We're going to speak about that. Um, she's also a certified yoga, so we're going to find uh, yoga instructors, so we're going to find out which one came first and how she uses the two of them together. Um, she's built a couple of communities. One is the strong, resilient women community. And she also has a movement called Lead Your Life." So we're going to talk about all of those. Christina, welcome to Sisters in Service.
1: Hi, Kat. Thanks so much for having me. Of
0: course. So I always ask people this question, especially my veterans. Um, did you pick the Air Force or did the Air Force pick you?
1: That's a great question. Um, so I grew up around the Air Force. My dad was military, so I grew up an Air Force brat. He served about 21, 22 years. So it's it definitely what I knew Growing up, and um, I would say it was a little bit of both. When I got into college, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. And as you get closer and closer to that graduation day, you're like, oh no, oh shoot, like, what am I going to do when I graduate? How am I going to survive? And uh, my future husband boyfriend at the time was he was in ROTC he was planning to enter the military and i was like you know what that sounds good too i'll join you and that is how it happened and uh, we both we both joined together and and got married after college and the rest is history such a
0: love story <laughs> You both took that leap together. Let me that's backtrack right. a little bit, because I I was a military brat also. And so as a military brat, how did you feel moving all the time with your dad? Did you feel like it was just normal? That's what you did. Did you hate it? And I'm not saying everyone loved it, because there were times when I thought, oh, God, where are we going now? Um, but what's your what was your take? When you look back on that time in your life, how do you feel about it?
1: So I'll be honest, I hated it. <laughs> uh, and, and that's because um, my my dad did not move every couple of years the way that like some military members did. It was like every five years. And by then you've had, you've settled in, you've grown roots, you have your friends. And so we had one move in particular that was really tough. And, and I was, I think around, Maybe ten, and so having to leave all the friends behind—that's always tough. Um, but when I was an adult and moving around, I always got—you know—you when you get the itch right before yes, it's time to move. I still—I got the itch. Yeah, <laughs> and and I'm—I've been in where I am now for about two years, and I'm like. It's time to move now, right? Like I should be packing up my packing stuff, up, but, right? Yeah. You know, we we don't have to move this time around, but yeah. So I would say as a kid I hated it, but as an adult I liked it. It was it was kind of that fresh start. Out of all the places that you lived
0: with your dad, what was your favorite location or your favorite PCS or do
1: you have one? So the answer should be Germany because I lived there for a little while, but the answer is actually North Dakota. And you hear that and you're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's why I was like, what? (laughs) So we were stationed at Grand Forks Air Force Base, teeny tiny, like the nearest city is 30 minutes away and it smells like cows. But as a kid, it was just so fun. We had great friends and you don't have to shovel snow as a kid, or at least I didn't have to shovel the feet of snow as a kid. So I thought it was great. All I knew that the sledding was prime and, uh, I was, we lived on base, so I was surrounded by kids. Open spaces too. Well, you
0: could just yeah. roam because you know how oh it is on God. a base. You just, you go wherever and it's a community. Yep. So, you know, you just, yep. you're with other kids and it's cool.
1: That's right. Yep. So we had a great time as kids there.
0: Where were you at in Germany?
1: Rhein-Main
0: before they oh, shut it down. I know. Yeah. Because I, I went to high school in Germany, actually, and, you know, people say, oh, where'd you go to school, you know? And I tell them and they go, wait, because I went, uh, my dad was stationed at Bitburg Air Base, which is shut down, too. And mm-hmm. it's sad because you can't go back and and see it. You know, you can't go back and have a reunion. You know, it, it's it's kind of hard. It's a little sad, but, you know, it is what it is. So you, you and your future husband— Go into the military. Did you guys get to the same base? How did you guys connect back up?
1: So we commissioned together. Um, we both uh, got our commission as officers on the same day. Um, and then we got to be together for a little while and then we had to go our separate ways for, um, about a year, year and a half. I was in Florida. He was in North Carolina. Um, and we met back up for our next assignment, which was to Idaho. So we did the kind of separate living for a little while. Um, and then we joined back up for Idaho and we were together for all of our following assignments. Um, so that was definitely nice. Sometimes that meal to mill life can mean the geo batching, you live apart, you live separate lives, but you're still married. Um, But we were fortunate enough to have two full assignments together after that. And then I separated and then he separated. Um, So we only had to be apart for a little while. We did some deployments in there where we were separated, but overall we got to spend most of our time together.
0: Right. I know that in the military, their idea of you and your husband being together is being in the same theater which could mean you both are in Germany but you're like 3 or 400 miles apart, you know? And you're like, "Wait, this is not what I had expected at all." <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your transition cuz you know, when I got out, transition was hard because there really if I'm not going to say there weren't any Resources available. I was not aware of the resources available. Now there's quite a few resources available, quite a bit actually. Were you okay transitioning because your husband was still in, or did you find it difficult?
1: I would say that there were some there were some difficult parts. Personally, um, it was nice to still have you know, the healthcare, the, the security of my husband still being in, it wasn't like cutting things off cold Turkey where you're like, okay, now we have to navigate the world outside the military. Um, so that part was okay. I would say the hardest part for me was all of a sudden, not really knowing who I am. Um, you know, having to separate from, the military and my identity as a member of the military and yeah, I still kept that peace. I'm a reservist. So there was that, you know, I get to step back into my role once a month. Um, But the big question was who am I outside of the military? What, what's important to me? What, what role do I play? Who am I now that I'm not captain Madison, which is who I was at the time when I separated And uh, that was a hard transition. It was really hard. It took me a long time to figure it out. And I think I'm still figuring it out, but I'm I'm way more secure and confident and comfortable in my skin than I was several years ago when I chose to separate.
0: Absolutely. I think we're always transitioning, but when you're transitioning from the military, it's a little more difficult. And I think that Like I was in for 20 years, and so you tend to mourn a little bit about your military life because it's so ingrained into who you are. Mm -hmm.
1: And
0: I always, when I speak to women who are still in the military and getting ready to get out, and they'll say, do you have any advice? And I'll say, who are you? Find out who you are before you leave the service. Who are you when you're not wearing that uniform? What... Who could you say? Could you say who you are tomorrow if they said, oh, you're done, today was your last day, and you're done? You know, what do you write on your resume? Who are you? What do you do? What do you like? Because in the military, it's the, the we, us, team, and then you get out, and it's me, myself, and I, <laughs>
1: basically. Yeah. That's so, so true. And so many of the women that I've talked to struggle with that exact question because when you enter the military and most of us enter the military young, when we're still figuring out who we are as a human. And when we join the military, whether it's at 18 or it's at 22, fresh out of college, you're still figuring out who am I? And a lot of people don't know the answer to that question. So we assimilate into the military community and we take on the identity that the military gives us, which is you are a, you know, you're a service member, service for self, you know, all these, all these things we start to ingrain into our being. And a lot of times we forget to remember who we are outside of the uniform Absolutely. What what brings us joy, what we like and and what defines us outside of that role so that if there's a transition, there's almost this vacuum that's created of like, oh, my gosh, I don't know yes. who I am outside of my role in the military. Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard for a lot of people. And that can feel very scary to make that transition because you don't know the answer to that question.
0: Exactly I think also too that when you're transitioning you know when I went through the transition process <clears throat> I thought I was doing it wrong because no one talked about it and so you know you think for years you're thinking I can't wait to be a civilian I get to wear what I want I get to go where I want I get to do what I want and then you get there and you think wait wait is this is this what this is <laughs> you know and you but nobody talked about how how difficult it could be. So I thought it was me. I thought I was the problem. Like I just wasn't doing it right, whatever that was. And so now at least in groups, people are talking about how difficult it is. But I think the other thing that really got me interested in women veterans and even doing the podcast was the difficulty in transitioning. And then flash forward 22 years and women are still saying how hard it is. And I'm like, whoa, wait, we haven't fixed this problem yet? why is this still difficult? We need to speak about this. We need to do something about this. This should still, this should not be difficult. But I think the difference is when I got out, there was nothing. And now it's like drinking from a fire hose. And so what do you do when you have so many choices? You just stand still. You don't do anything.
1: Yes. You go into like that freeze.
0: Right. You know, if you say hamburger, cheeseburger,
1: I'm like, Oh, hamburger.
0: But if you got hamburger, hamburger with bacon, hamburger with no cheese, hamburger, you're like, well, wait,
1: back off a minute. I can't choose. Stop. Yeah, because for so many years you've had all your choices made for you. They tell you what to wear. They tell you what your next assignment is. Where you're going to mm-hmm. live. You're going to live on base. You're going to live off base. You're going to do this job. You're going to deploy on this timeline. Yes. Um. Here's what you're going to eat in the defect. All your medical and- appointments.
0: You'd yeah, be on your desk. You have to report to the hospital for this.
1: Okay, I can't even tell you how difficult it is to find a doctor as a civilian. No, I know. Because <laughs> right? I just had to do that, and I'm like, wait, I get to choose how. How do you do that? There's like a hundred mm-hmm. doctors where I live, and I don't know what. to, Can you just tell me who I need to go to? Yeah, That's just, what the military just choose did. a
0: doctor for me, you know,
1: and yes. I'll show up.
0: So, it's so I
1: complicated. I know. <laughs>
0: So let's talk about your heart-centered leadership coaching.
1: Sure.
0: Did that have anything to do with what you did in the military? As an officer, was it something you got out and you said, I, I need to do this? And so what was your why behind the heart-centered leadership coaching?
1: Great question. When I was in the process of starting my business, I had some mentors, I had some coaches, and one of them said to me, create what you wanted when you were struggling. Create what was missing when you were struggling. And so I thought about the years that I spent active duty, and I thought to myself, what was I missing? Well, I was missing quite a bit, but the big things that were missing was a community, I was very lonely. As a female in the military, it's lonely. As yes. an officer in the military, it's lonely. As a female officer in the military, it's extremely lonely. And so I I craved community, I craved connection. And a lot of the times I just didn't have that. And so that was one of the aspects of what I created with the strong and resilient women community, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But Another of the things that I was missing was help with how to be well as a military member. You know, we talk a lot about physical fitness in the military. That's obviously a priority with your fitness tests and everything like that. But a lot of the times, especially this is starting to shift, the culture is beginning to shift, but how do I be well mentally? how do I be well emotionally? How do I be well spiritually? And, you know, at the time we would have down days or like comprehensive airman fitness days. And those never helped. It was just like, let's talk about this random subject. And nobody's really paying attention. Nobody
0: cares.
1: (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) And nobody really connected with it. And so I thought to myself, how can I create something that approaches the health of a leader in a holistic way. How can I help leaders be not only healthy in their physical bodies, but their mental bodies, their spiritual bodies, their emotional bodies? Because we are not just one aspect, we are human. And our humanness encompasses so much. And and much of our humanness tends to be ignored, especially, sadly, in the military community where we're told, put your emotions away, they're they're not welcome here you need to have you know military bearing everything like that oh yeah that um, <laughs> i
0: don't yeah. think i ever and, had
1: that <laughs> and a lot of our more soft softness if you will you know the 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 female side of some of us we have to put that away and hide it because we're told you got to you got to hang with the boys you know you got to you got to assimilate into this society and you've got to embrace the the hardcore in your face militariness and so we lose a lot of that and we focus really only on our physical health but kind of neglect everything else and so my opinion is to show up as a an influential a connected, a mindful, and a heart-centered leader, a whole leader that encompasses all of what you are, you've got to take care of all aspects of your health, not just one or two. And if you want to come to your sphere of influence as a leader, as your whole self, then you've got to be willing to do the inner work to embrace your whole self. And a lot of the time that takes some integration of, you know, maybe some areas that we've put away or we've put in a box or maybe some shadowy areas of who we are. And so all of that has culminated in the work that I do as a heart-centered leadership coach and in my Lead Your Life program and movement. That's my goal is to help you accept and integrate all parts of you the hurting and the shadowy parts as well, because ultimately that leads to better leadership because you're able to connect with people on so much of a deeper level. There's less sterilization of leadership, right. if you will. Um, so that's a very long winded way to say um, I do what I do because I wish someone had taught me how to bring my whole self to work instead of just parts of me.
0: Yeah, the military only wanted one part. That was your body and your mind. So two parts. Right. The rest of it, they're like, right. no, put it over there until we're done with you. It sounds as though to me when I hear heart-centered leadership coach that you have to be a little bit, and I'm only saying this because of the yoga background too, but more a little intuitive. Absolutely. And yeah. There's, the, and the only reason sure. I say that is because... You know, I'm a Pilates instructor, and there are times when, you know, we teach the body in front of us, and something will say, you know, I'll get this little twinge of, hey, maybe, you know, and I'll shift their body slightly, and I'll say, how does that feel? And they're like, oh, that feels so much better. And it's not like someone told me. It's just this intuitive type of, you know, when you do this kind of movement, you start to understand how the movement of the body um, helps, you know, your Uh, your heart, your mind, your brain, you know, just walking kind of just inflexes your, your, your brain, you know, it helps you think it helps you do all of this stuff. And so that's why I kind of, I kind of went in that direction. So being a certified yoga and meditation coach or teacher, which came first? Did you do the, the yoga and meditation first and then said, wow, heart center leadership coach, or was it the other way around? Or maybe it was together. You did them all at the same time, which sounds really difficult, but you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could have done both at the same time. The yoga came first. Um, I, I discovered yoga actually on a deployment, Um, in a season where I was extremely stressed and overwhelmed and yoga was kind of my saving grace. So I came back from my deployment. I immediately launched myself into all things yoga, got my certification to teach, um, and then just kind of taught on the side for a while. Once I left active duty, I wanted to teach more yoga. So I started teaching more classes and I taught online during the pandemic and that was all well and good and wonderful um but i kept feeling this tug of something more i was like there's there's something beyond yoga that i'm supposed to do and i don't know what it is yet but i'm going to hang out and figure it out and so my business which started as purely yoga and meditation started to evolve as i figured out what i felt called to do and so now yoga and meditation falls under the umbrella of what I do with heart-centered leadership because yoga and meditation is integral in developing the mind-body connection. Yes, And having a mind-body connection, which you know, is really important for one, taking care of your physical self. But a lot of the times, if we've experienced some sort of trauma, if, if we struggle with PTSD or something similar, or we've just lived a life of chronic stress. At some point, our body and our mind separate yes, in order do. to protect us. Yes, And at the time it's a coping mechanism, but if we live our lives that way forever, there's always going to be a severe disconnect and it's going to start to really um, degrade our quality of life. And our so body yoga- breaks down. Yeah, absolutely. Our body starts to break down. So my, my goal with the yoga and meditation is to start to reintegrate body and mind. And, and that's a huge part of being able to do some of the deeper work, you know, the deeper work of self compassion, the deeper work of, um, integrating old hurts and, and old traumas. And it's part of the, the deeper work of, bringing all pieces of yourself together as a heart centered leadership. We can't really access our heart, which is the center of our, um, kind of the center of our, our bodies and where our minds and bodies meet. It's like the center of that superhighway that runs between mind and body. And so if we really want to get into our heart, we have to make those connections, which Absolutely. we can access through, modalities such as yoga, meditation, um, and the like.
0: Can you share a story about how you help someone through a difficult situation using your skills?
1: Sure. Um, I, when you asked me that question, I immediately called to mind one of my clients who she's a wonderful, wonderful light, um, but has experienced some, some hurt and she's experienced some trauma in her life. And I remember we were on a call together and I could just see that she was hurting that day. And you mentioned intuition earlier. This is when mine kicked in. I'd had one plan for the call and I was like, throw that out the window. We're not doing that. And so I had her lay down and I had her do some breathing. Um, Breath work is really, really important in what I do. And once she was breathing, she was, her breath was very short, very kind of stressed. And so we got her breathing deeply. And then I led her through a meditation, um, centered around the inner child. And that was a turning point for her and our relationship together because I asked her to see herself as a child and At the time, she was very cruel to herself in her inner dialogue, very, very critical, very harsh. Um, And when we did this inner child work together, she was able to see herself the way she sees her, her nieces who are very precious to her. And that changed everything for her. And from then on, you know, at the end of the session, she was Weeping, you know, very emotional. But she's like, I feel lighter. Yes. I feel so different. It's like a weight has been lifted. And after that, she was able to start making the transition towards more self compassion, towards more self kindness. And, you know, since then, she's been able to navigate some really difficult situations in her life still being able to practice that self-compassion, that self-kindness that we unlocked during that session. Um, so that's, that's a, a really powerful example to me of how this work can manifest, not just in a studio, not just in a yoga studio, but really shift that inner dialogue and shift the way that you're living your life, which has really supported her in, in the things that were to come after that session.
0: Right. And I think one-on-one, you know, depending on the person, that you have this safe place. You feel kind of safe in in the fact that you can let your hair down, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think also is that when you don't deal with those hurts, however far back they go, it stops you in your tracks. You don't feel as though you can move forward. And you keep thinking, why am I not making any progress? Mm -hmm. And it's because you're carrying this weight of all of these memories and hurts and and stuff like that. And Once you shed them and not so much shed the memory, but shed the what's what you're carrying inside that that's when you start to feel lighter. And you're like, you feel like you can move forward. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just kind of, you know,
1: is that right? Do you think? I think so. I think it's, it's, it's definitely part of the process because, you know, if we compartmentalize our hurt, then it's going to eat us from the inside out, yes. right? If we just put it in a box and we never deal with it, we never look at it, we never talk about it, it starts to fester. It's like that wound that's festering inside the body. And eventually, we're not, like you said, we're going to get stuck. We're not going to be able to make any forward progress because it's time to do that work. It's time to go into the box, but we're avoiding it. And therefore, we're not going to be able to make any progress. So starting to slowly open that box, starting to slowly deal with what's inside. And, you know, therapy is an absolutely great way to do this. Um, and therapy coupled with coaching is really powerful. Um, someone said to me one time, the therapist, like, puts the cast on your broken leg and the your coach gives you the crutches and moves you in the forward Ooh, direction towards like healing, that. which yeah. I loved. I'm like, yes. that's such a great analogy. And so when we open that box and deal with it safely through, you know, the space of therapy, through the space of counseling, um, through the space of working with a coach, um, then we can start to move forward because we, we don't have this like heavy weight holding us back. We can start to integrate our hurt into ourselves into our wholeness. And when we start to work towards wholeness, then we're able to progress within our own lives.
0: Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking that the military could really benefit from this type of what you're doing, <laughs> the whole heart centered thing. Seriously, because while you were speaking, I was thinking all the people that, that get hurt from PTSD and, and traumatic brain injury and, you know, sexual assault and, uh, military sexual trauma, all of that stuff, you know, you're, this happens to you, but you still have to come to work and smile yeah. and be able to carry on, you know, and, I just think that this would be, I was going to ask you the question. I was like, she already knows this would be great for the military. (laughs) But I think it would be, you know, when you talk to someone in a safe space, and I know I said this before, but I'm imagining someone who's been assaulted and, you know, you're talking to all your higher-ups or all in uniform sternly looking at you and, and looking for any break, in your, in your demeanor, you know what I mean? They're just waiting for you to just break down that to be able to have this type of space, this type of space where you can, if you want to break down, you can, if you want to cry, you can, if you want to talk about it, you can, and it's okay. You know, Um, I don't know. I was just thinking it from, from that standpoint. So through all of this, you came up with the Strong and Resilient Woman Community. Let's chat about that a little bit. That might sound like – are you allowing people in? It might sound like someone to
1: be a part of. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. We are always welcoming new members of the community, and and it's open to service members, to veterans, to retirees, it's open to military spouses. It's really just a space where people get you, like people get it. People get the military life. Um, They get what the challenges can be. We all kind of speak a similar language. Um, Our acronyms might be a little bit different if you're Air Force versus Army, but you know. This, yeah, but you get you know, it. You're kind of like, yeah, okay, it. I got you. <laughs> yeah. So this group started out back in probably 2018. I started this group. It looked different. It was me teaching yoga to about 20 of my friends and my mom <laughs> it was in this group, and um the group went through multiple iterations as I was figuring out like I mentioned before what is it that I'm called to do what is it that I want to do um so it's been named a couple things over the years but about I think 2019 maybe early 2020 is when I really landed on the strong and resilient women when I was like you know what I want to serve women in the military community that is what I feel called to do and so since then I've slowly built this community. It's almost at the time that we're recording this, we're at about 1,900 women. We're getting close to 2,000 members of the community, which is phenomenal.
0: Congratulations. That's awesome.
1: If you told me three years ago that I would be leading a community of 2,000, I would have been like, you've got the wrong girl. That's not me. (laughs) A leader is a leader is a leader you know? So it's, it's so fulfilling. Fulfilling is the word. Mm -hmm. Um, because I've gotten to work and meet some amazing women that are part of the military community. And ultimately my goal is, you know, I'm only one person, but I can work with 10 people and those 10 people can go and influence 10 more people and those 100 people can then go influence 10 more people. And now we're at like a hundred, you know, a thousand, a hundred thousand. And if I can, if I can make one drop in, in the ocean of the military, then that drop has the ability to ripple outward. And if I help a dozen women become heart centered leaders, then they get to lead people in a heart centered way. And it just has this outward ripple effect. And, you know, I I can't change the military culture all on my own, but I can help 10 women change their world. And then those, the people that are in that influence can then change their world. And so, you know, like you said before, the military needs this work. I agree. And, you know, right now I, I can't, do that work just yet. You know the opportunity hasn't presented itself to do this work with the military. But I can work with the women that are in the military mm-hmm. and help them shift their spheres of influence. Um, and so ultimately that that was, you know besides the the wanting to connect and and wanting to be around women who get it, that's one of the main missions of this community is to help these women do better for themselves. So that they can show up as a wholehearted, heart-centered leader and be able to shift slowly the military culture as a whole, one by one. Absolutely.
0: So for someone listening, who do you think would benefit from learning about your heart-centered leadership or coaching?
1: Yeah. So if you're listening and, you know, you're a member of the military, maybe you're in your leadership role. Maybe you're not yet in a leadership role, but you will be someday. Um, this this is powerful, but it's not just, you know, the traditional leadership roles in the military that can be supported by this work. Some of you are going to be leaders of your homes. You know, if you are a a military spouse perchance, or maybe you separated, you're a veteran and now you're, you're home with your kids, you are the leader. You're, you're one of the leaders of your home. And, you know, maybe you're now working for a civilian community or a civilian corporation, or or, or you're working a civilian job that you still have the ability to lead. And that's part of the lead your life movement that I've created. It's not just about leading in the traditional sense. It's about leading as a human and leading your own life, you know, being in the empowered role in your own life, which means, you know, you choose your choices, you take care of yourself, you set healthy boundaries, you prioritize self-care. All of that has a carryover effect into the people that you interact with and influence every single day. So no matter what role you're in, whether that be, You know, you're a commander of a of a unit or you're a troop leader or you, um, you know, you work in an office with 10 other people or you're home with your children or you work for, you know, some civilian company. You have the ability to do this work. You have the ability to show up as a heart centered leader. And that has powerful second and third order effects and the people that you interact with every day, because you can have more positive interactions. You can show, you can demonstrate, you know, a person who knows how to regulate their nervous system and approach complicated, stressful situations with calm and with compassion. And, you know, you have the ability to connect with other humans and hold space for them when they're hurting, because you've done your own work. And so whoever's listening, if if you interact with other humans, guess what? You have the opportunity to show up as a heart-centered leader.
0: I think, too, that leadership, a lot of people think leadership is about other people leading other people. Leadership is about yourself, too.
1: A hundred percent.
0: About how, yeah. you know, not just your leadership skills or your leadership style, but leading yourself in your own life. You know, if you're my leader, you know, I'm in the military and your life is a hot mess, why am I going to follow you? You know what I mean? I mean, I know Absolutely. I have to. Let's just say I have <laughs> to, but but you know what I mean? Like if you've got your stuff together and you're like, "Wow, okay. I I'll follow right behind her whatever she says or whatever he says, I'm going to follow." And I had some great supervisors and leaders in the military, a lot of them were men because when I was in, you know, to see a female officer, we were like, ooh, you know, you're in the corner going, you know, you're, you're whispering you're like, look, 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 she's, she's an officer, you know, but now it's more mainstream. But I think just being a leader, not only in your own life, but in your business, you know, showing up that's, I think that's what leadership means to me is showing up. If you show up for yourself, you're going to show up for other people. So I think that's that's important. Before we go, you're also the creator of the Lead Your Life movement. Let's chat about that a little bit. What is it? Why is it? And why did you create it?
1: Yeah, so it started out as a... A health and wellness program for women leaders in the military. Um, it still is, but it has expanded beyond that. So I still run that program. Um, I'm actually getting ready to run it again in the fall. Um, and, and it, it kind of approaches health the way we talked about earlier, that holistic health, um, within, you know, a coaching container within a community of, of like-minded women. But it's become a lot more than that because leading your life, to me means you're letting go of the victim mentality and you're letting go of just waiting for things to happen. It's like, it's like riding in the passenger seat of a car and letting someone else drive it. Sometimes the military is driving it for you. Sometimes your partner or spouse is driving it for you. Sometimes your circumstances or past hurt is driving the car for you and you're just along for the ride. So doing this work, this the work that I I do within Lead Your Life, which has you know that encompasses my community, that encompasses my program, that encompasses um, yoga and wellness retreats that I lead, um, and it's just a concept. It's a concept of opening that passenger side door, getting out, doing your work. Moving around the car and getting into the driver's seat so that you can make decisions that align with your priorities, your values, your, um, you know, your, the things that are most important to you, you can let go of that victim mentality instead say, you know what, I can't control everything, but I can control these things. And it's it's showing up for yourself. It's not pushing your self-care onto the back burner and and serving from a place of depletion and exhaustion. It's filling your own cup so that you can show up fully for your mission, for the people that you work with, for the people that you lead. You can't do that if you're running on empty. It's like your car has run out of (laughs) gas you know? And yeah, you know, gas might be $6 a gallon, but we (laughs) got to fill that tank up, you know, if we want to move forward. And so it's an investment, you know, it's an investment in yourself. It's an investment in your health. It's saying yes to yourself so that you can say yes to others. And when we're in that empowered role within our lives, then we get to move forward with direction, with intention, with a focused energy. Otherwise, we're just scattering our energy to the wind because we don't know where we're going, and that's we exhausting. don't know what we want. That's it's exhausting. exhausting. Yes, and it's a it's a waste of resources. You know, you, your inner resources are your time, your energy, your effort. And when you're wasting those resources, just letting life kind of happen around you, and you're trying to do everything for everyone you stay stuck and you're exhausted and you're worn out and depleted and you reach these levels of burnout that are dangerous for your health. Yes. But when we're in that leadership role within our lives, we know what we want. We know what's important to us. We are connected and anchored to our values and our thoughts, actions, and behaviors are aligned with those values. We make empowered decisions that we know is what we want or what we're what we're moving in the direction that we're meant to go. And ultimately I think that leads to a life that feels more purposeful, a life that feels more fulfilling, a life that feels more joyful, even when the time is the times are hard. And ultimately it allows us to be content because we know that we're doing the right things. We're making decisions that we can be confident in. And we're also showing up for ourselves throughout all of this with self-care, with taking care of our bodies, minds, emotions, spirit. And when we do that, man, we're a force to be reckoned with. And it's the whole
0: package, your whole package now.
1: You can do whatever you set your mind to at that point.
0: I love that.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Christina, it's been amazing having you on Tell us where we can find you if people want to reach out for your coaching or know more about your grouping, your groupings, your groups.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. I'm Christina Madison M A T T I S O N. You can also find the community if you just search "strong and resilient women." Um, it'll come up as the Facebook group. Just request a join, answer the questions, and I'll let you in. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at The Military Yogi. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me pretty much anywhere except for TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I'm on TikTok.
0: <laughs> You're not on TikTok dancing or anything?
1: No. I mean, <laughs> there's been some dancing, but, but not on TikTok. Right. Um, so you can find me on most social media platforms. The group is on Facebook. Um, and I'd love to connect with you. Um, you can also reach out to me via email if that's more, um, comfortable for you, if you'd like to have a one-on-one conversation. Um, and you know, we have the ability together to make not just the military culture, but the world a better place, but we got to do our own work first. So if you're listening and you want to connect, please reach out. Um, and let's, let's see about how you can start stepping into the role of leader of your life.
0: Ooh, step into the role of leader of your life. I love that. That's mic drop right there, y'all. I'm just <laughs> saying. Um, again, Christina, thank you so much. And for everyone else, you know what I'm going to say. Please stay safe. Take care of each other. Until next time. And it's never too late to start your impossible.